At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Built for More, Church Beyond the Weekend, where we will see what the Psalms teaches us about how life is enriched when we live and serve in community with our church family. Well, good morning, everybody. It's awesome to be with you here this morning again. Truth be told, I may have snuck into the Stewart household and poked Dan in the eye with a stick so I'd have this opportunity. What an awful thing to say. Come on, Bill. Goodness gracious. No, we, we love that man, don't we? We thank the Lord for him, for his leadership and his humility. Gosh, and we're just glad to see that he's healing up well and that he'll be back with us here preaching shortly. So welcome Facebook Live. We're glad that you guys are with us. And we look forward to the day when you're here with us physically again. And we're no longer one church in a hundred different locations, but we're right here together. So welcome to you guys as well. And kids, welcome again to you guys. Are you able to help me out this morning? I'm not going to call on you right now, but I've got a few places I'm going to ask you for advice, maybe to answer some questions, and I've got a cool little project I might need some help with. So I won't call on you by name. I'll ask for volunteers, but it would be really cool if you were willing to help. So today we're wrapping up our series, Built for More. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been studying through a number of the Psalms. Uh, we previously, we looked at how we live as a spiritual family together and how we live together with God by our side, putting fear aside and living with God. But today we want to look at what God desires to do through us, through his family. And it's really fitting that we just sang, with my life laid down, I surrender now and I give you everything. And I really hope you meant that when you were singing, because it's actually through our lives together that God desires to do a massive global work. Because we're truly built for more. There's something else we need to see before we begin to unpack this massive purpose. So kids, I'm going to ask you to think back way back to the olden days. Way, way back. The 1998. What do you think was happening in 1998? Did we have horses still that we're riding on or did we have cars? 1998 was a long time ago. No volunteers. It doesn't matter. <laughs> In 1998, there was a little boy named Trevor, and Trevor's social studies teacher asked him to come up with a way to impact the world. And Trevor came up with a plan that he was going to do three favors for people, things that they couldn't do on their own, things that they maybe couldn't afford or couldn't physically do. He was going to do three favors. And when those people came back to Trevor to do favors back for him or to pay him, he said, no, go do three favors for other people. And then those people did three favors for other people and expanded from there, and it became the movement that we call paying it forward. Trevor did such a good job that it made a movie, and it made a book, and it's actually a movement that it, it, it goes back to being kind to one another because somebody's been kind to you. But the idea of receiving a blessing and then blessing somebody else through that blessing didn't start with Trevor. It's a concept that existed long before the Pay It Forward movement. In fact, it's an idea that God called his people to do throughout history. And in Psalm 67 this morning, that's where we're going in the Psalms, we catch a glimpse of this desire that God has for his people to be a blessing as they are blessed. And we're going to see that God actually has a massive purpose for why he blesses us. And that's our big idea this morning, that God blesses his people for the good of the nations. And while this idea isn't just contained here in Psalm 67, 
It's actually found throughout God's Word. We see it clearly unpacked in this passage. And even a quick read through this psalm shows that many of our blessings are for the larger purpose of blessing the entire world. Even the structure of this psalm leads us in that direction. Psalm 67 is written in the form of a chiasm. Kids, can you say chiasm? All right, there's some. When I first read that, I had to go and see, how is this word even pronounced? I thought it was maybe a karate term, chiasm. I didn't know for sure. But it really is something a little less dramatic than that. It's a literary structure where an author writes a passage in ascending and descending order. So I'm thinking, how can I explain that? I thought, how about a mountain? If you look at a mountain, you have a slope that goes up to the peak and then a slope that comes back down. And that's how Psalm 67 is written. The beginning verses emphasize God's blessing, which climb to the peak, the summit that calls for all nations to be glad. And then on the backside, which is very similar to the front slope, we see that everything that we have flows out of that gladness of that blessing. So Psalm 67 calls us into being the sort of people that receive God's blessing so that we can pay it forward to the nations. And this idea leads us to ask another question, namely, how can we, as God's people, his church today, how can we be a blessing to the nations? And Psalm 67 gives us three ways. We're going to look at each of those three ways this morning. And the first one is we need to pray for God's blessing to the nations. So turn with me, Psalm 67. We're going to read this a little bit differently this morning. We're going to read verses 1 and 2 and 6 and 7. We're going to look at the beginning of the upward slope and the downward slope on the other side. We're going to attack it in that way because this is a chiasm. Verse 1 and 2, starting out, May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among the nations. And now skip down to 6. The earth has yielded increase. God our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let the ends of the earth fear him. This psalm actually begins with a tone of prayer. And the content of this prayer is a request for God to spiritually bless his people. But the psalmist didn't come up with this idea you know, alone. He actually took it from the blessing of Aaron in Numbers. So let's quick flip over to Numbers 622. We're going to be doing a lot of flipping, either in paper format, old school like me, or on your devices, or it's also up on the screen. Number 6, 22 and 27, we see Aaron's blessing. And it's going to parallel this. This is where the psalmist got it from. Verse 22, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you or his face upon you and give you peace. So, they, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. So as we go between Numbers 2 and back to Psalm 67, we see that the psalmist quotes this ancient blessing, but instead of simply pronouncing blessing on the people, you got a blessing, you got a blessing, you got a blessing, he asks them to customize this. And he asks them to pray for blessing in their lives. If you look at back to Numbers, 
You see, it's the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. But the psalmist turns it around to the entire people. In Psalm 67, it's bless us and keep us and may your face shine upon us. Back to Psalm 67 and verse 1, we see that he's appealing to God's grace, reminding us that God gives out of his grace alone and not because we've earned it or not because we deserve it. And that really speaks to us as New Covenant believers. Our faith in Jesus Christ is given to us completely on his grace through faith, not because we deserve it, not because we've done anything good for it, because there truly isn't anything that we can do. And the focal point of this blessing is for the Lord to make his face shine upon us. What a wonderful feeling that is. The presence of the Lord is the primary focus of this blessing because from his presence comes life and comes joy and comes peace. His presence is here with us. This speaks to us as New Covenant believers. We have his presence with us at all times. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God indwells us and lives within us. We have access to that presence. And in verse 6, you see, he goes on and talks about the daily provision to the people of Israel. And as us here in present time, we can really speak to daily provision. Think about what we have here that's provided for us. Clean air, access to clean drinking water, an abundance of food. We've got our health and our employment, health care. We have so much to relate to in this psalm through this provision and through the presence of God. But these blessings, they're still connected to the larger purpose. If we look at verse 2, it reminds us that the prayer for God's blessing is so that his salvation will be known across the earth. In doing this, the psalmist is connecting us back with God's original purpose for his people. We see this in Genesis 12, as God called Abraham and promised to make him a great nation. But even in that promise to bless Abraham... There was a bigger purpose in mind. So we're going to go to Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3. God said, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In God's calling of Abraham... We see God's purpose in his blessing is that the whole earth would be blessed through that. He blesses Abraham, so that's distributed in a blessing to the entire earth. And that's exactly what the psalmist prays for, that God would bless the people for the sake of the nations. So we should feel free to pray and to seek God's blessing individually and as a church, but not for the sake of ourselves. We've got to seek that for the good of the whole world. When we see God's blessing apart from his purpose, we're the sort of people who try to use God to get stuff. A holy vending machine of blessings, and we don't want to be those people. Instead, we want to be used by God to fulfill his desire for the nations. Kids, ready to help me? Let's imagine you went up to your dad and said, Hey, Dad, can I have 20 bucks? What do you think Dad would say? I know what I would say. No. <laughs> so maybe dad said, what for? What do you want that $20 for? And you say, mom's birthday's coming up, and I want to buy mom a present. Dad might say, okay, here's $20. Do 
to go get mom a present. And then a few days later, we're all around the dining room table. We blow out candles and eat cake, and we're opening presents. And mom opens her present from you from that $20, and it's a $1 piece of imported Chinese plastic from the dollar store. Dad says, what gives? I gave you $20 to use for mom. And you say, oh, I found this for a buck, so I pocketed $19. You think dad would be upset? Shake your head, yes, I would be. <laughs> That's because you lost sight of what the money was for. The money was given to you to be a blessing to mom. Now, what if you had gone out and you found mom a $19 present and you kept $1 for yourself as change? How do you think dad would feel about that? Probably not bad, right? Because you use the money for the intended purpose. When the blessing is connected to the purpose, it makes all the difference in the world. So the question we have to ask ourselves is this. Do I ask for God's favor on my life and my family and my church for our sake alone, or do I ask it as part of the greater purpose that the nations would be blessed through it? Further, when I receive something from the Lord, when I receive a financial blessing or a spiritual blessing, or he exposes a hidden talent that you didn't know you had, do you use that? for the good of God, for blessing the nations and making Jesus known to other people? What happens when we ask God to use us or to use our blessings to bless the nations? Got a project that's going to show exactly that. Kids, can we have a couple volunteers? We need three kids that would be willing. I think Troy said he'd be willing. Troy, will you help me back there? Come on out, buddy. All right. Who else? Liam, you want to help? All right, come on up. Anybody else? If not, going once, going twice. AJ, come on up. Come on up here, guys. Can I get help moving this over here? I don't want to stand right for the speaker. I knew that would happen. Just bite the bullet, Bill. Okay, that's good enough right there. I'll stay off on the side. Okay, come on around here, a couple of you. AJ, you can stay over here. Let's leave it so the people can see. Come on over here, buddy. Okay, come on around here. This is us. Does it look like you? Does it look like us? Let's picture in our mind that this is us. And each of these cups are God's blessing. Don't, don't drink it. Don't eat it. <laughs> this is the way that God blesses us. So one at a time, why don't you show that God blesses us and pour what's in there into us. God blesses us maybe with a good job. Good job, buddy. God blesses us maybe with a healthy family a little more. Sorry, you're not quite tall enough. What else does God bless us with? Maybe a great church, right? So what do we got? We got blessings in us, right? This is us. We got a bunch of blessings in there, but what are they doing? They're just in there. The nations aren't blessed through it. What happens when we take this cup that's called prayer? This cup is prayer, and when we pray that God will use what he's given us to be a blessing to the nations, when we apply prayer to it, what's going to happen? Oh, my goodness, look at the nations being blessed through us. Well, thanks. Thank you, everybody, for helping. Can you give them a hand? Thanks, guys. You can go ahead and sit down. Thanks for helping. Good job. Oh, that's awesome. Love the kids. 
So springboarding right off of that, let's jump right back in. There's a second way that we can be used to engage God's call to bless the nations. And that's that we can pray or call for God's praise among the nations. Let's go back into Psalm and look at this chiasm. We're going to look at verses 3 and 5 as they border the peak verse there. 3 and 5 say, Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. And again in verse 5, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. As we move towards the center, we reach the next phase of the chiasm here, and the verses are identical. There's a reason for that. You might think of them like the chorus of a song. You know, the really catchy part that somebody sings at, at some point in the day and it's stuck in your head all day long. So I wondered, what was, what's the most catchy chorus in American music history? So I looked it up, and if I sing two words, will you guys agree to jump in with me? I know you'll know it. It's very easy. Bill can talk up here for 30 minutes, but you ask me to sing two words, and that's a stretch. <laughs> so ready? Here it goes. I'm going to count on you guys to jump in afterwards. Sweet Caroline. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. That's what it is. It's stuck in your head. Thank you, Neil Diamond. You are never going to get that out of your head now. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> See, Psalm 67's chorus continues our big idea by calling for praise from all people. And that's the way it's written, to be stuck in your head that all people are called to praise. We now move from a prayer of God's blessing for all nations to calling all of those nations to praise God. And the emphasis for the psalm, psalmist in these verses is focused on all people's praising. Not just the nation of Israel, not just Americans. Every people, every tongue, tribe, nation, every people group are being called to praise God. The call comes in response to God's salvation and his rule being experienced on earth and drives all people to praise him. And church, there really is a day coming when the whole world will acknowledge who God is and what he's done. We look forward to that day. Amen. Paul gives us a foretaste of that in Philippians chapter 2. Let's turn there real quick. I couldn't help as I was reviewing this this morning to look at the verses that are directly above verse 9, where God blesses the name of Jesus and exalts him above all others, because directly before that, it shows the humility of Christ being willing to come to the earth to be one of us and to die a humble death on a cross. And it shows that humility in following the Father's plan, just like the psalmist is laying out here, results in God ultimately being glorified. <clears throat> and that spoke to me this morning. That was off record. You got that as extra. We'll start in verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestow upon him a name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, every person will confess Jesus as Lord. And the role that we have to play as God's people, we're the means by which God is getting that done. We have a dual purpose here as believers. The first purpose is we are the sole means by which the gospel is taken to people. God doesn't have a secondary advertising plan. He chose us to be the ones who take the gospel to a lost world because we know what Christ has done in our lives. 
And our second role here is to demonstrate the call of worship to God in advance of that day that Paul's talking about. Demonstrating to the world what it means to worship. And I think we do that here in Algonac in a very good way. We demonstrate that call to worship every time Joe organizes a community event and we gather and we give out prizes and we interact with people and Pastor Dan gives the gospel. That's demonstrating that call of worship. Every time we distribute food, we're demonstrating that call to worship. When we gather in the gazebo downtown and pray and people walk by and see this church in action, we're demonstrating a call to worship. Every time that we fund a missionary, whether ourselves or through Woodside, we're demonstrating to the world a call to worship. You go on a short-term mission trip, a call to worship. Adopt an orphan through an organization with $30, $40 a month, that's a call to worship. Some people even adopt an orphan from the other side of the world, bring them into their family. What a beautiful call to worship. That's what we're doing. We know what God has done in our lives, and we declare it in worship to a fallen world. Finally, we come to the climax of this psalm. Everything in the first half is built up to it. Everything in the back half flows from it. And this is our central idea. This is the mountain peak, is that we have to celebrate God's rule over the nations. Let's flip back to Psalms 67, verse 4, the middle verse. The psalmist says, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. The psalmist has reached the pinnacle here in verse 4. He's saying this is what it's all about. This is the central idea. And if you imagined it like, like a, a modern song, this would be the bridge. Where the music peaks, the vocals soar, there's a guitar solo going, the drums are smashing. This is where all the energy is building to. And the cry of the psalmist here is for a global party. But what's the focus of the blessing that we're celebrating? That's the question we have to ask. What will truly cause the nations to celebrate and to sing? And the nations are to rejoice as God brings justice and order to a world that is sideways because of sin. Kids, can you help me out again? I want you to imagine that mom and dad are going out on a date. Your normal babysitter, maybe it's grandma or grandpa or an aunt or uncle or somebody you know, they're not available. So mom and dad go to the bullpen and bring in a fresh babysitter that's never been there before. And before they leave, they give the babysitter some instructions. Here's bedtime. Here's what the kids eat. Here's how our house runs. Please take care of our kids. And they are out the door. But the second that door closes, out comes the cell phone. The babysitter goes to the cell phone and you hey. We're hungry. Can we have something to eat? Get away from me, kid. i got things to do here. And then the baby's in the crib crying up from the nap. The baby needs out, needs to be fed. And the babysitter says, talk to the hand. I'm not here to help you. And then the house starts to break into chaos, kid against kid. The baby's red face crying in that crib needs to be changed. Everything is breaking down. What do you think would be the number one good thing that could happen in that moment? Yes. Even better than that. Not better than that. There's nothing better than that. But how about the parents coming home and restoring order to that house? Do you think that their order and their justice coming in that door would be seen as a drag at that moment? 
No. It will be seen as life-giving. It will be seen as bringing salvation to a situation that desperately needs us. And that's what the psalmist is asking us to celebrate. A God that brings his justice and life-giving salvation to the nations at a time when they desperately need it. In kids' ministry, we like to use these gospel icons to illustrate that the simplicity of that life-saving and order that God brings. I didn't prep these to begin with. I make sure they're in the right order. They're not. Way to go, Bill. It's a good thing I teach in kids. I know where these go. All right, so the first one. Can you guys help me out, kids? You remember these? Can you help me out as I hold them up? They're going to be on the screen also. But our first one here is God. Very good. Yep, God rules. Very good. God rules. And what does that mean? He created the world. Everything that we can see, stars and planets and sun, God created everything. He established the rule and the order that we need. And just like those unsupervised kids, we crave that order and we lived in it with him in paradise. Uh-oh. What happened? Oh, <laughs> way to go. Kudos to that family. We sinned. We chose to drive a wedge between us and God because of our selfishness and our sin. And that sin is a wicked master. As a result, the world is now filled with things like injustice and abuse and pain and suffering and the other things that sin brings with it. And we devalue each other to the point where there's slavery and murder and war and trafficking. But it's in the midst of this mess of sin that we find ourselves in that the good news of the rule of God becomes a means of celebration. And that's because... Oh, fantastic. God provided. God sent Jesus the perfect solution to our sin problem. He sent him to rescue us from the punishment that we rightly deserve. Something that we as sinners could never earn on our own. Jesus alone saves us. It's what we call solus Christus. Christ alone. <sighs> AJ, how about let me lead into this? <laughs> Jesus, anybody else besides AJ? Jesus gives. Thank you, honey. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins, and he rose again. And because Jesus gave up his life for us, we can be welcomed into God's family for all of eternity. Back, reunited, where we belong. And then the final one, we don't want to leave that green gift on the table. We, we respond. We respond. Very good. You believe that Jesus alone saves you through what he has done. There is no other means of salvation. We repent, which means we turn from our sin and from our selfishness, and we turn to Jesus, and we tell God and others that we have faith in Jesus for the salvation of our sins. 
It's this reality that should cause us to celebrate, just like the psalmist is calling for celebration. God has come in Jesus Christ and is establishing his rule and reign on earth, and that's available to every single one of us today. If you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, don't let today pass you by. Talk to me or Pastor Dan or Joe or Joe in the back. Any one of us would love to talk to you about this. And one of the ways we celebrate God's rule is by seeking to live it out together. And we demonstrate that through our life groups. A life group is a spiritual family, a very close-knit unit that we gather together in. And we do life together, just like Joe was talking earlier in the announcements. So maybe you know Jesus as your Savior, but you've never taken the step into closer community in a life group. That'd be a great action item for you this morning. A great way to take another step of faith. Then you can know what it's really like to live day in and day out with other believers, praying with you, loving you, teaching and growing with you. So throughout this series, we've been thinking about the idea of community and how the Psalms show us that we truly are built for more. Today, as we conclude, we're reminded that God has always used, he's always used his people to extend his kingdom to the world so that the nations can be blessed. He started with Adam and Eve. He continued the example through the nation of Israel. And today, through Christ and through us, his church, God blesses his people for the good of the nations. We don't receive God's blessing for ourselves, but for the sake of the whole world. So as we close today, we're going to close by singing a song that mirrors Numbers chapter 6. It's the blessing. It's the blessing of Aaron. It invokes those actual words. And the taking what we've just learned as we sing this song together, really consider the words and consider the attitudes of our hearts as we sing that song together, how we're blessed by God, but we need to turn that around for God's purpose of blessing the nations. You pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this beautiful morning, for your graciousness towards us. Thank you that your face truly does shine upon us, Father. We are so thankful. And thank you that because of Christ's sacrifice for us, that we can be reunited with you and know true peace and true rest in this world. We ask that you richly bless our lives together here as this church, Father, but we temper that request with the desire to align with your purpose for the nations. May everything, Lord, we pray, everything that you give us be used by you for the sake of your kingdom and for your name to be praised by the nations. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.